morning, church. Uh, before I read um, our passages that Jackie's going to be teaching on this morning, I'd like to say thank you to the worship team. You know, this, this church has really been blessed with a worship team that prepares us each morning or each Sunday morning before for the message. And if you get a chance, grab them, thank them for what they do. They do a great job, guys. All right, uh, I'm going to be reading from Luke, uh, New King James Version. Now, Jackie threw me a little curve, so hopefully I won't mess this up. Uh, we're going to be reading verses 16 and 17, and then we'll jump to verse 27 through 36. Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven, but he, knowing their thoughts, and said to them, then we'll then we'll go to uh, verse 27. Well, 17 again. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them. Then verse 27. And it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that nursed you. But he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And while the crowd was thickly gathered together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah, the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed is greater than Solomon it is greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed is greater than Jonah is here. No one, when he has lit a lamp, puts it under a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand, that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is, light, is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that, you, that the light which is in you is not darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part of dark, the whole body will be full of light. And when the brightness is shining, the lamp gives you the light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you as your people, Lord, and we just give you all praise and glory, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, you have our best interests at heart, Father, and that you love us, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us. Lord, we pray that you anoint Jackie's teaching, that we may hear what you'd have us hear today, that we'd have open hearts and open minds and just incorporate your word in our lives day by day. Lord, we just pray this, your son Jesus. Amen. If you guys remember last time we were together, <clears throat> we saw Jesus cast out a demon. And when he had done so, the people that were gathered around him said, well, he doesn't do that on his own authority. He does it on the authority of Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, uh, a reference to Satan. He is trying to trick us. It's a lying sign. It said in, in uh, verse 16, as, as Phil shared with us, it said, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him 
A sign from heaven. Do you ever wonder what sign would have been good enough? Whatever occurred previously, um, we talked about last week, was so great that the people said, something like this has never been done in Israel before. They said, we've never seen anything like this. But then there were people that were saying, well, we don't know if, if we can believe what we're seeing, so give us another sign. Verse 29 in Luke chapter 11, it says, When the crowds were increasing as they grew, uh, the masses following Him. Now, I want you guys to kind of to get this, because a lot of people... A lot of people, when they talk about the Bible, when they study the Bible, they, they um, try to point out contradictions here and there. And, and we all make the assumption that Jesus only ever said these things once. You get that that's not true? It wasn't, Jesus didn't just one time say, no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He said it whenever he ran into unbelief. How often do you think that was? He ministered for three years. How many times when he taught, did he, did he teach some of the same lessons over and over again? Did, do we think that it was a new lesson every time he sat down with a crowd of people? And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are writing for us those things that they're pointing to, that they have a purpose and a, and a reason behind. The Holy Spirit has led them to share what Jesus said in this situation or that situation. So as the crowds are increasing, they're packing in. You have a similar thing taught in John chapter 6. You have a similar thing taught in Matthew chapter 12. And each one of those will provide insight, but, but each one of those are written by the author, John or Matthew, to point out something specific that Jesus did at a time that they're referencing to. And here Luke is doing the same thing. In California, when I was in Joshua Springs, there are three Sunday morning services. I taught three Sunday morning services there. And if you went to the first one, you got one message. You went to the second one, you got similar message. You went to the third one, you got yet a different one. Now, we were talking about the same subject, same scriptures. How often is that the case for Jesus? So if Matthew's not quite the same as Luke, I guess you can get yourself all wrapped around the axle over it, or you can just let the author recite, reply, write to us about the one he's talking about. If you talk to three people on Sunday morning in California and one of them said, Jackie said this story. I love it when he shared that story. And another one would say, what are you talking about? He didn't share no story. And the third one would say, yeah, he talked about fish. And no, the first one says, no, he, he talked about a dog. <laughs> oh, none of you went to the message, did you? Well, sure, they all did. They all heard a different one. Are you guys tracking with me what I'm trying to explain? Because we... we People get all wrestled up over this. They come to the Bible and they say, well, Matthew's not the same as Luke. Ah, Matthew was at a different service. He's referencing a different time. Another time when Jesus spoke these things. Luke is referencing this time. They're similar, for sure. Maybe they even happened at the same day. Maybe they happened at the same time. 
But as Luke is referencing the things he is, he has a purpose. There's part, there's a reason he's sharing what he's sharing so that we can understand. And what he wants us to understand, one, the first thing he wants us to see in this part is that there were people who reasoned among themselves when they saw the miracle that Jesus did, casting out the demon, they reasoned, He is the Messiah. Scripture tells us that. In John chapter 20, verse 30, it says, Now Jesus did many signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. means Jesus did more things than John wrote. Jesus did more things than Luke wrote about. Jesus did more things than Mark said. Jesus did more things than Matthew said. Jesus did a lot of things. In his three years of ministry, you just think of one other historical character that was three years in the public eye and was put to death that we still talk about. More than 2,000 years later. Yeah, there's something altogether different. In Luke chapter 16... Again, referencing unbelief in the people. Jesus is going to tell a parable. <clears throat> well, we'll argue about whether or not it's a parable when we get there. Jesus is going to tell a story about the rich man and Lazarus. And he has this to say, and I just want to reference this, and we'll get to the rest of it when we get to chapter 16 in like six months. So when we get there, but this is what he says in 1631. Just listen to it. Jesus uh Jesus is telling us this story. It says, He said to them, If you do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will you be convinced, even if someone should rise from the dead. I don't have too many titles for messages. I never do that. It's my own rebellion, I suppose. But every, as I studied this one, one that kept echoing in my head was, Here's your sign. Because the whole thing is about, this whole section is about, give us a sign. Give us a sign. Give us a sign. And all the while, Jesus is the sign. He is. I mean, just look at Him. Listen to Him. But they were looking or wanting something else. How many people, I wonder today, in the church, get only so close to Jesus Christ because they're wanting something else. They want something different. They're not satisfied with Him. Look, if you're not satisfied with Him, I don't know what to tell you. There's not a better deal. There's not something else coming. There's not some... He is the most valuable treasure on earth. And if you don't see that, then pray that God will let you. Because you need to see it. He's the sign. He's the prize. It's not my healing it's not my new job or whatever thing I am seeking God for. It's not the restoration of my marriage. Jesus is the treasure. It's Him. If it's something else, when that something else is chopped away, the whole house of cards falls down. 
and you have a crisis of faith. Why? Because my faith wasn't in Christ. Where was it? In my thing, whatever else was my treasure. In my health, in my marriage, in my kids. There's a lot of things that we can focus on. And as we come to this, there's a, a, it's just interesting how this whole text comes together for us. When we look at it, it, we start, Luke starts with this story of this lady yelling out from the crowd, right? He, he says this lady's hollering out from the crowd in verse 27. It says, he said these things, a, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which, upon which you nursed. She's saying, man, blessed be your mama. You are amazing. This is what the lady is shouting from the crowd. But what she's shouting, what's her blessing, which Jesus doesn't rebuke her for, right? Part of Mary's song is that all women will call me what? Blessed. Yeah, that's in the Bible. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Blessed is the one who gave you life, who nursed you. But then Jesus responds to her in the crowd and says, even more than that, blessed rather are those that hear the Word of God and keep it. And we've talked about this word keep, and, and uh, the emphasis on that word keep needs to be on the concept of a treasure. Something you value. Sometimes we, we make the emphasis obedience. I'm not saying it's not obedience. I'm just saying if it's a treasure, you take care of it. If it's not, you don't. Right? Anybody ever get a car from your mom or dad you didn't like when you were 16? Oh, I never got a car. Well, I bought one. Remember I told you about it last time? I asked my dad over and over and over again for this dumb 1970 Maverick. Oh, come on, dad. It's the coolest thing ever. It had, so, it had desert mags. You remember it, huh? I tried to drive it. <laughs> It had desert mags in it, and all I could see was a car Jeep. That's what it was to me. I lived back in those days in Yukaipa. Yukaipa was like Idaho. Yukaipa's in California. Now Yukaipa is like LA. But then it was like Idaho. There was all the roads weren't paved. We used to drive to each other's house through the wash. Be going down the road and just say, you know, I've had enough of this road. And poof, off we go. And that 1970 Maverick was the perfect vehicle for that, you know, road warrior dream I had. (laughs) But my dad said, that thing's never going to keep running. So I bought the Maverick. My dad bought me a 1966 Pontiac Catalina. (laughs) Do you guys know what that is? Holy cow, you could not even get that in the parking lot out here. It was like two counties long. It didn't fit in one lane. Every kid in high school wants to pull up in that. Man. So I did my best to kill that car every time I had a chance. Now, you know, we say it's a boat. It's really a tank. It ain't a boat. I could, I could break that Maverick over and over again, but that Catalina did not want to die. But I didn't take care of it. Why? Because I didn't treasure it. Jesus says it's better rather 
not only to focus on the physical, having a physical relationship with Christ, he's saying, yep, that's cool and, and Mary's going to be blessed, but it's even better to treasure the things I say. If they matter, if what God says matters to you, what happens? You take care of it, right? You take care of it. If it doesn't, it don't matter how many times. I, I could make my kids obey. I promise you. I bet I could even do it now when they're at my house. Maybe. But I can't make it happen in their heart. Can I? When they go home, they're going to do what they do. When they get old, they're going to do what they do. Better yet, is it for them to care enough about what you're teaching them to treasure your teachings in their heart? If they do, they'll do them. You guys get what he's saying? So this is what Jesus is talking about. It's better. Hold fast to the Word of God. We've often said this idea that the Word of God is a final arbiter in our life. Now, there are a lot of popular speakers out there, guys I even used to like to listen to, who just recently wrote a book, Andrew Stanley, about why we don't need a Bible anymore. I, I just don't understand really where he's coming from, because to him, the number one focus that we all need to focus on is the resurrection. By the way, where do you hear about that at? Crazy how that is. How can I say on one hand, you don't need a Bible anymore, and on the other hand, all you need is the resurrection, well, where, where's that at? It's not, in, it's not in the Times News. Where do you get your information from? I don't know. I don't understand how they do it. Jesus said the Word of God was valuable. It mattered. He said, rather, it's important that you obey, that you hear, that you keep, that you cling, that you value it. And then he gives us an illustration of that. An illustration of holding on, of treasuring, of keeping the Word of God. That the Word of God matters. He gives, he's going to give us two examples. Let's look at them in verse 29. So the crowds are increasing. He begins to say, this generation is an evil generation. Let me put that in. Uh, gosh, we really got we to we gotta lay hold of that. We have this idea that we're not broken. So I don't know where that came from. Maybe it's our own pride that builds it up. So, uh, uh, let me be the first one in the front of the line. I'm broken. I don't got this thing all worked out. I still get in arguments with my wife. (gasps) (laughs) I still say and do things I should not do. Or maybe you guys need another preacher. I don't know. I'm just telling you, I believe that the Bible teaches that we're all broke. And we all need Him. We all need forgiveness every day. How did Jesus say that? This generation is an evil generation. This generation is a mess. Is that not true today? Funny how that is. I wonder if it's been true for all time. This generation is an evil generation and it seeks for a sign. It's looking for something more than the person of Jesus Christ. Something more. If you feed me, John chapter 6, the time in John chapter 6 that references a similar situation, what happened? The feeding of the 5,000. And they said to him, show us a sign. Doesn't that make you want to scratch your head? 
What just happened? How'd your belly get full? Show us the sign. What are they saying? You're not enough. You aren't enough. You aren't enough. So he says, this generation is evil. No sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. (coughs) For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And some something greater than Jonah is here. Each one of these descriptions... Um, as a little boring side note, uh, are in the neutered uh, terminology, which means the picture that Jesus is pointing to isn't the person. It's something about them, something they did. And each one of these guys, the Queen of the South and the people of Nineveh, both did something that Jesus has been referencing in His teaching. Both of them did something that that we need to understand. The queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, we read about her in 1 Kings 10, 1-13. through You guys can read that on your own sometime. But what did she do? She traveled across the then known world just so she could hear the word. Just so she could hear what Solomon said. Crazy. Just so she could listen to what he had to say. And what we learn from that story is there was an exchange of gifts. Solomon gave her gifts. She gave Solomon gifts. Which means, man, they they entered into an alliance. She found the answers that she was looking for. And the comparison with this this group of people that are gathered before Jesus is, is the same. They're testing Him, seeking for a sign, but they're not recognizing that even He, He's greater than Solomon. He is the Word of God, speaking the Word of God. Solomon was speaking what God put in him. Jesus is speaking out of His own authority. A greater than Solomon is here. Remember in the beginning, if you won't believe the words, you won't believe even if somebody was to rise from the dead. It's not the sign. It's not the miracle. It's a responding to the Word of God, to what God says. The men of Nineveh, what did they do? They responded to the word of Jonah, right? Who was speaking God's word, what God had given him. Yes? It was short. Yeah, it was short. Jonah, chapter 3, verse 4 through 9. Well, look, Jonah's message is short. We can read his. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out. 
Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. When, I know some of you say, man, I bet Jackie could take that message and make it longer. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> but don't worry, I'm not going to. Forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now hear the response. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. The word reached the king of Nineveh. And he arose from his throne and removed his robe and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published it throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn away from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent, turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. What happened? They heard the word and they responded to the word. It's crazy. The two examples that Jesus pulls out The Queen of Sheba who went as far as she could go just for a chance to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. And then Nineveh, where God sent his prophet with a message, because the prophet had a bad attitude. Right? The message was, 40 days and you're all dead. But did you see the next part of the phrase? The next part of the phrase they say, So they heard what God said. That's wild to me. They heard what God said. They they heard that. The prophet spoke it, but they heard God's word coming through him. And and the question is, as we look at this, Jesus does this miracle. They say it's, it's from the devil that he's able to do these things. A woman in the crowd shouts out, Blessed is the woman who gave you birth and who, who nursed you. Jesus says, but wait, it's better if you just treasure the words. It's better if you just hear the words and treasure them. And so the people began to say, show us a sign. Show us something. And Jesus said, this is a wicked, it's it's an evil generation (coughs) that seeks after a sign. And there's not one coming except the sign of Jonah neuter the sign of the queen of the south neuter what is similar in those two stories the word of god was shared the word of god was received and was responded to have you responded to what god's word says Just in the earlier chapter, in Luke chapter 10, you guys may remember, verse 12, Jesus said, I tell you, it'll be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. What was Jesus just saying? This generation is not responding, and I'm here. I wasn't here back for those guys. They're still guilty. But if I had shown up, if their time had been this time, 
They would have responded. But you, you won't respond. I'm not enough. He says, It will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heavens? You will be brought down to Hades, to the grave. All those cities are gone. Jesus is saying of that generation, they're not responding to Him. They're not responding to Him. They're not responding to Him. How come? They weren't ever going to respond to Him. What did Jesus come to do? He came to die. He came for the cross. He came to be rejected by His own, didn't He? And as He goes to the cross, it was always going to be that case. Jesus, when He looks out, I just want you to hear it. Jesus, when He looks out at His disciples and He says, You marvel at this, but greater works than these you're going to be able to do. Because Jesus, in His ministry, didn't come to save all those He came for 12 men. One of them was the devil. He came for 12 guys. And those 12 guys are going to do what? Turn the world how? Or upside right, depending on how you look at it, right? You you ever marvel that Peter's just going to preach the word, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, Acts chapter 2, and what happens? The multitudes get... Saved, not fed. They get that too. What do they get? Saved. They try to beat those disciples and shut them up, but they can't shut them up because the Holy Spirit's in them. They're empowered now. And they preach again and 5,000 souls are added. In fact, souls are being added so, so fast they can't even keep count. And churches start springing up all over the place and growing and spreading out. The Word of God goes out in power. And before the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that couldn't happen. What's our application? How are you responding to the Word? Do we just have a pity party for ourselves because I don't get what I want? Is that really what life's about? The the meaning... Of life, if that's the meaning of life for you, you should read the book of Ecclesiastes. Perfect. You'll find yourself on every page. But if you recognize that the meaning of life is bigger, it's greater, it's, it goes out beyond that, hopefully we can begin to understand that. We can begin to see that there's more, that, the, that, that Christ wants to move and work through us and in us and empower us to see radical change taking place. So Jesus is talking to a crowd that, that maybe some are, are, are into it, maybe some of them like Him, but nobody's getting saved at Jesus' messages because He hasn't died yet. Nobody's responding because the Holy Spirit has only called 12 or 120, the disciples that are around Jesus. And that's it. Oh, don't worry, there's more coming. 
Jesus, as he goes about his message, he lays this, these stories out for us. And we want to see. I want you guys to understand. When he looks at them, listen. Who was the queen of the south? Jew? Oh, she was a Gentile, wasn't she? And she came from outside to become an insider. What about Nineveh? Jew? Oh, so they're outsiders who come inside. Don't you hear the words of Jesus as He says to the people who are so sure that they're not wicked, that they're not broken, that there's nothing wrong with them, when He says, you are an evil generation, you are outside, you just don't know it, you think you're inside. There's no more difficult person to reach with the truth of the Word of God than somebody who's sure that because of their heritage, because of where they've grown up or what they've done, that they're in. And you try to tell them about Jesus and you try to tell them about what He did, but well, who cares about that? And and it just has no impact. Because they're outside and think they're inside. Are you responding Are you responding to what God's Word lays out for us? Are we responding to what He has done? Because Jesus is saying to them, a greater than Solomon, a greater than Jonah, there's something greater here right now. And that something greater, that something greater, that neutered term is this reality. The Word of God is standing in front of them. The Word of God is teaching the Word of God. The Word of God is speaking. Can you hear Him? When you hear Him speak, does it it resonate within you? Is there something within you that wants to respond? Or is there something in you that says, yeah, I already got that. Because that whole crowd, guys, not just scribes and Pharisees, that whole crowd of Jews who the Scripture tells us were veiled or blinded, That whole crowd is saying, show us something else. There's got to be something more. There's got to be something better. And they're crying out for... So Jesus tells them two stories of a Gentile nation and a Gentile woman who heard the Word of God, repented, heard the Word of God, and responded to the Word of God, and their lives were changed. Right? That's the story he tells them. It's what Luke wants us to see. Luke wants us to understand, man, that there is a responding to the Word of God. Take heed how you respond. Look, it's not the last message those guys are going to hear. Let me tell you something that hopefully encourages you. Some of those guys in that crowd were there at Pentecost. I guarantee it. Some of those guys at the cross of Christ who shouted... Let him come down from that cross and save himself. We're there on Pentecost and their hearts broke and they saw their wickedness and they repented and what happened? God saved them. Because that's what God does. Throughout the book of Ezekiel, you have the Lord proclaiming that I do not celebrate the destruction of the wicked. I celebrate when the wicked repent. And live. 
over and over and over, the word of God comes to Ezekiel and gives him that message. And Ezekiel shares it with us. Why? So that we would understand. But here's the problem, guys. The problem is, we're so sure we just got it. I got it. I'm good. I live in the United States of America. You know, what our nation needs is what happened in Nineveh to happen here. I pray for our president every single time I think about him. And I long for him to do what the king of Nineveh did. I long for him to take off his robe, come down from the throne, repent. Because I need to repent. You need to repent. Our nation needs to repent. Our leadership needs to repent. Holy cow, our people need to repent. We have sown to the wind and we are reaping what? The whirlwind. Which means there's always more that comes. When you sow, you put one seed in the ground. When you reap, what do you get? Lots of seeds. You put one piece of corn and a stalk grows. How many kernels of corn are going to come out of that stalk? I don't know. I'm sure some of you guys can tell me. The point, more than one. You sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. We have sown to the wind. We're not hearing God's word. We don't think that we're the wicked ones. We don't think we're broken. Churches, guys, are full of people today that are, would stand up and guarantee, I am not, I'm not broken. I'm good. Uh, maybe I miss it. I'd love for you to show me. Am I complete in Christ? Absolutely. But that's in Him, not in me. Am I whole in Christ? Absolutely. But that's in Him, not in me. How do I have that station? How do I have that place? How does that occur in my life? Ephesians chapter 1 tells me that it happens when I hear the gospel, I believe the word, and I get in Christ. And when I'm in Christ, then I'm a new creation. But I am a mess. Christ makes me new. And I still have my messy days. And I'd be willing to bet, so do y'all. And I think, I mean, just to be honest, I think what the world really needs in response from the church today is people that will tell the truth about that. And stop saying, you know, I, I got saved and everything in my life's been perfect ever since. Because then there are people who get saved and they think, man, I must not really be saved because my life been a mess ever since I got saved. Hey, Jesus saved me from myself. But I still have to battle with me every day. And I need to surrender the me. I need to make sure that's down and it's Christ in me that is that hope of glory, right? It's Christ in me that I want to cling to. Take heed to how you respond. Last section, let's look at it and how Jesus ties it all together. Responding to His Word. No one after lighting a lamp puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. 
Your eye is the lamp of your body. So, if your eye is healthy, the word is single. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. Now, people struggle with this all the time. I'm going to try to simplify it for you. In their day, Jesus is relating to them where they're at. In their day, the way they believed someone saw was the light that was in the person came out of their eyes, hit the object that they were looking at, and comes back to them, and that was how sight worked. So they believed that there was a light inside of them that came out of their eyes, that re, re, uh, rebounds, comes back off of whatever they're looking at, and that gives them sight. So Jesus is saying to them, Your eye is the lamp, the thing through which you are going to receive the light. And if your eye is single, healthy, if your eye is healthy, single vi- double vision is not good, right? Single vision. need to be able to see. It needs to be healthy. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if not, your whole body is full of darkness. What was in the heart of the people that were saying to Jesus, show me a sign. Darkness. So what come out of their eyes? Darkness. And they cannot see. They can't see. Because what's in them is dark. Therefore, he says, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. Be careful lest the light in you be darkness. Then, your, if then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright. As when a lamp with its rays gives you light. Let the lamp with its rays give you light. So if we understand their views, the way they saw things, whether or not the eye is sick or healthy will depend on whether or not the body is full of light or darkness. Now, here's the problem. We're just sure some of us are full of light. Right? We'd love to say that. We'd love to say that the, that the way someone understands and receives the gospel is there's light in that person, there's light in that person, there's light in that person. That person's just got dark, so they're not going to see. That person's dark. They can't see. So, so if you've got light in you, you'll be able to respond. If you've got dark in you, you'll be able to respond. And that's how that's going to work. I don't know. I'm pretty sure we all got dark in us. I didn't see. I didn't see. I was blind. We got a song we like to sing about that, don't we? Amazing Grace. We, do we believe the words? I was blind, but now I... Oh, how'd that happen? How does that occur? Listen to what the Word of God says. Acts 26, verse 16. <clears throat> Arise and stand on your feet. Paul's talking about himself, about his, about his conversion. Okay? Paul's conversion. Rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, 
to anoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Listen, to open their eyes so that they may turn from what? The darkness to the light. From the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Paul says, man, I'm going to go. God told me I'm going to go. And he said what? He's going to do what? Open their eyes. For what purpose? So they can see. Open their eyes so they can see. He's going to open their eyes so that they will turn from the light into the darkness. So they'll turn and respond. Yeah, we think there's a light inside of us and and that light is what drew us to God, but that's not how it works. God puts that light in so you can see. God puts it in. When he called Paul, he said to him, Paul, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. And when I send you to them, what? why? I'm sending you to open their eyes. What does Paul do to the Gentiles? What does he do? What's he going to speak? The Word. He's going to teach them. Faith comes by, and hearing by. Huh. So he's going to teach them the Word of God. The Lord says, I'm sending you to open their eyes. Open them. The Bible is very clear when Jesus came, that wasn't the mission. What was the mission? The cross. He's going to the cross. He's headed to the cross. He's going to die. The disciples are going to share the same things Jesus said. And then what's going to happen? Their hearts are going to break. Take heed to yourselves how you listen, how you hear. Because what's inside of us affects how we see Jesus. In closing, John chapter 3, verse 17. You guys all know 16, right? John 3.17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. How? Through Him. In what way? Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is what? Condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come. But people love the darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works would be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that he, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Light has come.
Jesus stood before the crowd. John chapter 8. Everything burned out after a party all night long. All the torches dimmed. All the people wore out. And he stood before the crowd and he said, I am the light of the world. And anyone who comes to me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The light has come. But if we're looking for that light in some other way than in Jesus Christ, in some other thing, it will be like the crowd saying, show us a sign. But if we can see the beauty of Christ, then we'll see the light. And if we have Christ in us, then we'll have light in us to see. The Bible says, we come to the Word of God and we're confused. Why? The Bible says it's spiritually discerned. What's that mean? You have the light in you to understand the light. You've got to have the light in you. Jesus said, everyone who comes to me, come to me, he said. Come to me. Lord, you're not enough. There's got to be more to it than this. No, come to me. How you hear the word. How you see him. That's a question we all have to answer. That's the thing we all have to get down on our, on our knees and say, Lord, I want you, you, I need, I need your beauty. The psalmist would say, God, give me eyes to see your beauty. How many times does David say, man, I just want to sit in your presence and behold what? Your beauty. That's relational. Not religious, not something else. It's responding to him. Here he is. He's headed to the cross. But if we understand that Jesus is enough, when we see him for who he is, we respond to what he has told us in his word. Then we see the light. And then we can respond in the same way. I see. But if I'm sure I already see and I already have the truth and I'm already set, then I'll tell you this, you'll never see another new thing again. You've got it already. Paul said I could spend my entire life in pursuit of knowing God and it would not be a wasted life. I want to know him more. I want to understand more. I want it all. And it's all him. Amen? Why don't you guys stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for an opportunity to come to your word, Lord. We thank you for an opportunity to study it. We thank you for the opportunity to check it out and see, God. And I just pray, Lord, that we can hear, that we can see the Word, that we can respond to the Word.
I pray, God, that we can recognize that in ourselves, that we are an evil generation. We're a broken people. We're obstinate, just like the Jews. I mean, sometimes we think, we look at them, we look at that nation, and we say, what's wrong with them? How come they could never get it? How come they never understood? How come they don't respond? And I think we, could, we should be talking in a mirror. How come I don't? God, I pray that your word would accomplish what it's sent to do. You declared through your prophet Isaiah, my word always does what it's sent to do. The word of God goes forth and plants light up on a hill. Not under a bushel, not under the bed, but on the hill, there's the light. I'm a wicked, broken, evil man. And apart from you, God, cleansing me, I struggle seeing, I struggle knowing, I struggle comprehending and understanding. But I know, God, that when I look to you and I say, God of the universe, grant unto me repentance. I know I'm praying a prayer that a king in Nineveh said once. A king, a wicked king, who looked at all his people and said, Man, we, we need to be on our knees. We need to go before the God of the universe and we need him to give us what we need. We need to seek it from him because there's no tomorrow without Christ today. help me learn that a greater a greater than Jonah is here queen of the south she she went as far as she could go just for an opportunity to hear and when she heard she knew and she gave of all that she had brought because what she received was a greater treasure than what was on the back of her, ca- of her camels in the caravan. She just let it all go for the excellency of getting to hear His Word. God, I pray that we would hear in the words of the Word of God, that we would hear what God is saying. If they won't believe what I've said, even if a man raises from the dead, they won't believe. Man, God, help us in this place. May your spirit move. May you bring us to an attitude of repentance. May you stoke light in our lives so that we can see you. God, would you call Lord, would your spirit move, would your word implant within us faith that we need so that we can respond to what your word calls us to. God, may we repent and stop making excuses for who we are or what we've done. May we just repent. Father, forgive me because I don't always know what I'm doing. And I make a mess. 
And I know that I'm not always the man you want me to be. I know that I'm not always as kind as I ought to be. I know that I don't always reflect your beauty, your majesty, your glory. And I want the light of Christ to be in me. I want that light to be bright. God, hear our cries. For we are the poor. The word says, blessed are the poor, not blessed will be. Blessed are. Why are we? Because I know I need you. I know I need you. God, as we worship, as we turn our eyes toward you, as we turn our hearts toward you, I pray on this Father's Day that you would call us to repentance, that you would help us to hear God's word, respond in repentance in God's word, to be the men that God's calling us to be, be the women God is calling us to be. Change our world by changing us. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name. Amen.